Our scripture reading for this first Sunday of Advent comes from Luke chapter 2. We're going to read verses 8 through 14. I invite you to follow along in your Bible or in the Pew Bible on page 782. If you would, turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to read verses 8 through 14. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. I want to invite you, friends, to pull out your Advent devotions. These are in lieu of the usual Connections Journal. It's a little booklet for you, and we're going to have a different one each week for the four weeks of Advent. You'll notice as you open it, for each day of the week, there's a scripture reading. It's already printed here for you. There's sharing time, so things to reflect about and, and talk about, an activity and a prayer. And these are designed to be done by yourself or with a partner or with a family, with a group. And there's a different one for each day. And then on Saturday, there's a special weekly creative project that you can choose from there. We hope this helps you as you enter into the season and encounter the living God each day. Please use this and please... Uh, may it be a blessing to you. Jacob Armstrong lives in Tennessee with his wife and his two daughters, and he tells the story about one year at Christmas time. His daughters, Mary and Lydia, were eight and six years old at the time, and they asked their dad if he would take them to the Waffle House. They had never been. They had never been to the Waffle House. They'd driven by dozens of times and seen this tiny rectangular building. They wondered what takes place inside this mysterious house of waffles. So without thinking twice, Jacob told his girls, yes, we'll do it. We'll get up early before school and we'll go to the waffle house. There was only one problem. They had not received all of the necessary permissions. So they gathered together, the three of them, dad and his two daughters, and they formed an airtight argument and they went to present their case to mom. We'll go to bed early, they said. We promise we'll have our clothes set out the night before. There will be no complaining. There will be no grumbling. Uh, this will be a seamless operation. We promise. And after some de deliberation, Mom finally said yes. So the night before their excursion, the local weather report said it was going to snow. And Jacob envisioned they would venture out into the snow, a dad and his daughters on a memorable but dangerous journey they would finally make it to the Waffle House after a few harrowing moments along the way. They would sit at a table by the big window and they would look out on the snow-capped shopping mall. Deer would dance through the Red Lobster parking lot. It would be magical. It would be magical. Well, the next morning came and Jacob noticed immediately it had not snowed. Jacob said, it turns out that 5 a.m. actually is devoid of magic. When he tried to wake up the girls, they grumbled. When he reminded them of the plan, they kept right on sleeping. 
Hey, he said, I went to bed at 8 o'clock last night. We are going to do this. On the ride over, Lydia said something that stuck in Jacob's mind. Daddy, she said, I don't feel normal. What do you mean you don't feel normal, he said. She said, you know, it's dark. We're going to a restaurant when we should usually be getting ready for school. It just doesn't feel normal. Well, Jacob said, sometimes when you do something you don't normally do, you see something you don't normally see. It's pretty good, right? Sometimes when you do something you don't normally do, you see something you don't normally see. They walked into the Waffle House. It was still before sunrise. The girls in their pink coats looked somewhat out of place in a restaurant otherwise packed with men wearing work boots and baseball caps. They sat by the window. Cars were zooming by. Hundreds of cars' headlights reflected on the streets. Mary asked, Daddy, where are all those people going? Who are they driving around here in the dark? Jacob said, they're going to work. Or they're coming back from work. He said, in fact, these ladies who served us breakfast, they had to get up early this morning to be here. Their server overheard the conversation and she piped up, Sugar, she said, I've been here since 10.30 last night. Jacob talked with his daughters about all the people who work while the rest of us sleep. Nurses, truck drivers, police officers, moms and dads who stay up with sick kids. Well, the Waffle House was everything they had hoped for. Waffles and sausage and hash browns that were scattered and smothered and covered. And it was just then, the week before Christmas, that Jacob saw something he did not normally see. God's people living and working at night. And it hit him that the first people who heard the good news about a baby born on Christmas, the Messiah, the one who would reconcile us to God, the first ones who heard the news were a bunch of shepherds working at night. It's a curious thing that the birth announcement of the Messiah did not come first to kings or to emperors. It did not come to prophets or to priests. The first to know were shepherds working the graveyard shift. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. I wonder, if that grand announcement came again tonight, do you suppose God would go to the Waffle House while it was still dark and tell the ladies who pour the coffee that His Son is born? Welcome to the first Sunday of Advent. This is such a special time of year because this is when we get ready for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word Advent, you probably know this, it means coming or arrival. And in this sense, we look forward and we look backward. So we look backward to the coming of Jesus that happened 2,000 years ago as a baby in a manger. And we also look forward to that time when he returns again as the king in glory. Advent is a season of preparation for his coming. And we are thankful to the early Christians who in their wisdom set aside these four weeks in the life of the church, in the life of the disciples of Jesus for us to prepare, for us to get ready for the coming of Jesus. Of course, the birth of Jesus only happened one time, historically speaking. 
But spiritually speaking, his, his birth can happen again and again. Every Christmas has within it the possibility of new birth for you and for me. All because of the birth of Jesus Christ. Remember the words of that beloved carol, O little town of Bethlehem. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. Our sermon series for Advent is called Sent, Delivering the Gift of Hope at Christmas. We are celebrating and anticipating the one who will descend to us, who will come down and be born in our hearts once more this season. The story of Christmas is the story of God the Father sending God the Son into the world. But who has he come for exactly? I suppose the shepherds must have wondered the same thing. The story says they were terrified. Maybe we would have been also. But notice what the angel said to them. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You see this? The angel said, I am bringing you good news. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Jesus was born for the shepherds. Jesus was born for the shepherds. So what is it about the shepherds that God would come to them of all people? I want to suggest to you this morning it was not an accident. This was very much on purpose. The announcement to the shepherds reminds us that Jesus comes to the unsuspecting. Jesus comes to the unsuspecting. This seems to be a key ingredient in those God chooses. They never saw it coming. Think about the biblical stories that you know about when God comes to people. Think about Sarah. Think about Moses. Think about Mary. In their unassuming humility, none of them saw themselves as people who God would choose and use for His purposes. The announcement to the shepherds reminds us that Jesus comes to the unqualified. The shepherds had no special qualifications. They were not theologians who could interpret these events. They were not good public speakers who could wax eloquently about the first Christmas. They were ordinary people. The announcement to the shepherds reminds us that Jesus comes to the undeserving. The story reminds us that Jesus comes for the lowly, for the least, for those who are morally bankrupt, for those who are spiritually lost. And just like God chose to bless those shepherds, we know that God does the same for us. Because just like the shepherds, we are unsuspecting and we are unqualified and we are undeserving. So the truth that the eternal God would come for people like them and for people like us, it says something about who we are. But more importantly, it says something about who God is. Because in His grace, God is so very eager and willing to include people in His story who are otherwise left out. By coming for the shepherds, we see that Jesus was sent for everyone. The angel said, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. For those who are depressed and think too little of themselves. 
For those who are proud and think too highly of themselves. For those who are grieving. For the people whose lives are changing beyond their control. For those who are afraid. For those who are in a hurry. For those who are hungry to experience something more than the status quo. God sent the Father because God is so desperately in love with people like that. Because God is so desperately in love with all people, even you, even me. This is why Jesus was sent, my friends, to reconcile us to God the Father. You see, the point of Christmas is reconciliation. Reconciliation, you know, it means to reunite two things that were once separated. And this is what Jesus accomplishes between God and humans. You know the story, don't you? When God made us, we lived together with God and with each other in perfect harmony. In the Garden of Eden, there was no sin. There was no brokenness. There were no tears. But then Adam and Eve disobeyed God. Their intimacy with God was damaged. No longer were these humans in perfect communion with their Creator. And through their disobedience, sin entered into the world so that since that time, every human being who has ever lived has had the same problem. We are separated by, from God by our human condition. God is holy and righteous and powerful and we are sinful and we are weak. And on our own, we cannot restore our relationship with God. We need someone to do it for us. This is why Christmas matters. Because only Jesus can restore us to a right relationship with God the Father. Only Jesus can reconcile God and humans. In fact, He is uniquely qualified to do it. He is both God and human. You see, only God can save us, but only humans need saving. And so Jesus is uniquely qualified. Jesus is the way. This is the reason why He was sent for us. God's deepest longing for this world is that what is broken will be mended and what is sick will be healed. God's deepest longing is for us to be reconciled to Him and to each other. What about us? What do we long for? You know, This is that time of year when we make lists of all the things that we might like to have. Wish lists. Maybe you don't do that. I do. I tell myself it's for practical reasons, you know, so that people can have an idea of what they want to get for me. But of course, it's a slippery slope, isn't it? From, uh, gee, that would be nice to have, all the way down to, oh man, I can't possibly live without it. Remember the movie A Christmas Story? More than anything, Ralphie wanted a BB gun for Christmas. And he would tell anyone who would listen, mom and dad, and the shopping mall Santa, even his school teacher, he longs for a Red Rider carbine action 200 shot range model air rifle with compass in the stock. <laughs> I watch this movie every year. It's so good. So good. It's fun to make wish lists, isn't it? And it's fun to buy presents and it's fun to open presents. But what would happen if the disciples of Jesus, for us, Christmas was more than just presents? What would happen if we turned our hearts from material things and toward the things that God longs for? A few years ago, the church I was serving decided 
They wanted a different kind of Christmas. They longed for something more than just presents for their kids or their grandkids. They wanted to shine the light of Christ into a dark world. And so we turned our attention to the people of Honduras. We learned that Honduras is one of the two poorest nations in the Western Hemisphere. Access to things that we take for granted, like clean water and education, is limited in Honduras, especially their access to health care is limited. For many people who live in the mountains of Honduras, mountains like these, health care is scarce, if not non-existent. Getting to a hospital takes several hours by bus or several days on foot. So our church, the church I was serving at the time, Bethany United Methodist, we decided that we would do something about it. And we partnered with an organization called the Friends of Barnabas to send a medical team to bring medical care to the people in the mountains of Honduras. As a church, we made a commitment to give our Christmas Eve offering to this mission. In fact, we challenged each other in our church to bring for the Christmas Eve offering as much money as we spent on our own families for Christmas gifts. Now remember, this is a church where the Sunday attendance was something like 200 people. The first Christmas we received this offering, we raised $15,000. And the second Christmas we raised twenty. We've got a picture for you of some of the children who received the medical care because some disciples of Jesus in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia had a longing. They had a longing in their hearts to share the good news of Jesus with the people of this world who need it. Notice what the shepherds did after the angel appeared to them. The story says they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Having witnessed the birth of their Messiah, they went out and they told the story. The ones to whom Jesus was sent became the ones who were sent with the story of Jesus. And it works the same way with us, my friends. The Father sends the Son and the Son sends us. We are sent. We are sent into the world because this is good news of great joy for all the people. Amen. Hymn is 202. Let's stand and sing with strength. People look east.